Um, let, let's, let's get our Bibles. Let's turn to Luke 24. Luke 24. And uh, as, as you're getting there, let me just kind of catch you up in case you weren't here last week, okay? Um, I, I told you last week that God has just been bothering me a lot lately. And I, he's been bothering me over a number, okay? Uh, this 23,000 number. At the beginning of the year, I told you uh, that in this area, within 10 miles of this church, there are over 23,000 unchurched students, right? Um, and, and here's my guess, and, and I know what assuming does, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and assume for a second, okay? I would just assume that out of those 23,000, like if they're not joining together somewhere in a church and worshiping and growing and serving and doing these things that we've been called to, that chances are a lot of them, the majority of them probably don't know Jesus personally. And so I feel like God has just been bothering me over the fact that, again, if, if Jesus came back tonight that there would be 23,000 students within 10 miles of this place who would spend eternity separated from him. And so that thought has just been bothering me, wrecking me, destroying my sleep at night, consuming my prayer life. Um, and here's the other thing that's been really bothering me, okay? It's this. When we get down to it, I just don't know that we've really done much to change that. Like, so I've just been really bothered. Like, I look and I go, there's all those students out there who probably don't know Jesus. What are we doing as Westridge Church, high school ministry, reckless, what are we doing to see that 23,000 number crushed and to lead our friends to this unbelievable saving knowledge of Jesus? And as I sit back and I think about it, um, again, I just struggle because I really feel like, man, if we've just been getting after it all week, like if, if, if our life's purpose really is about going out and sharing Jesus and preaching the gospel and making disciples and loving people and serving people and taking time for the broken down, the hurting, the, the left out, man, the ones on the outside, my, my guess is that this place would look completely different on Sunday nights as we've seen kids who come to know the Lord week after week after week come in here to worship the one with us who has saved them. And so I really believe, man, that if we are living the gospel outside the walls of this place, that when we gather together, man, it's going to show. And so last week, man, we, we, we kind of started by talking about our mission as followers of Jesus. You know, it kind of made sense to me, well, if we're going to really go live on mission, then we need to spend a lot of time talking about what that looks like and how we live that out. So last week, that's exactly where we started. And um, as we should all the time, we started with talking about Jesus, right? And I said, man, let's look back at the life of Jesus. What did he come for? What did he live for? And the Bible says simply in the book of Luke, or in, in, in the uh, 19th chapter of Luke, verse 10, that Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And go back, man, read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it's crazy because you find Jesus constantly living his life in the direction of those who need salvation. Like you find story after story of Jesus hanging out with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with 
people and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and unreligious people that he should have never, culturally speaking, been hanging out with in the first place. And so he, here's the thing. We find these stories of this man, Jesus, this God, Jesus, who we all gather in his name to worship. We find stories in the scripture, man, of him going, dude, I just came to save sinners. Like, I came to be with them. I came for them. I didn't come for the religious people, the ones who think they've got it all figured out, the one who thinks they can be good enough and, and leave everybody else on the outside. I came for the messed up people of the world. Like, that's why I came here. And last week, if you remember, we said Jesus expects the same thing out of us as his followers. Like before Jesus left this earth, remember last week I told you, he looks into the face of those people who have been following him, and he goes, okay, listen, um, I want you to go out now, and I want you to tell as many people about me as you possibly can before your life is over, right? And he said it like this, he said, go out, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and you know why? So that they can go out, they can make more disciples, baptize more people, teach more people about me, and it's like this snowball effect. Jesus looked at his followers and he said, I came to seek and save the lost. You should make your life about seeking and saving the lost. I came to live my life in the direction of those who needed salvation. If you're my follower, you should be living your life in the direction of those who need salvation. Guys, get this, please. The only reason that you and I are living and moving and breathing right now, the only reason is so that we can walk out of this place and we can go and we can make Jesus known to the world. Like, that's the purpose of your life and mine, no matter where we find ourselves. Now, here's what I want to do before I get into tonight. Um, I want to clarify on something I said last week because I heard there was a little confusion as some people left. And the confusion was this. Like, I heard this past week that some people um, walked away from last week and said, uh, Mom, Dad, James told us to quit everything, to go share Jesus with people. And um, here's what I want you to do, okay? I, I posted the message online. If you're on our Facebook page, go check it out. If you're not on our Facebook page, go join the Reckless Facebook, and you get all of our updates, all that good stuff. But I sent out the link for the message from last week. I want you to go back and listen to it, because that's not what I said, okay? I, I want to clarify on something. Um, there's some athletes in here that walked away and said, James told me to quit sports, man, go tell people about Jesus. I didn't say that. Here's what I said. That sport that you hate... That makes you miserable. You know that one where you walk out on the court or the field and every time you step foot, you're like, God, what am I doing here? I'm in, this sucks, right? I hate this. Like, this is stupid. Like, I'm looking at you going, bro, quit that one. Like, that's eating up your time. Um, like, you could be doing something and putting yourself in a different environment where your mind is focused on what it should be focused on, which is what? Making Jesus known to the people you're at. Like, dude, if you're, let me just say this, if you're playing ball for daddy, but you hate what you're doing, yeah, maybe it's time to stop doing it. Go find something else that you love and you're good at so that you can use influence in those circles to share Jesus with people. Um, AP kids. James told me to quit all my AP classes. Um, and some of you were like, yes, thank you, James. Ugh. Man, now I have a reason. James told me I could, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> I didn't say quit them all. I just said this. These are my exact words. Maybe you shouldn't take so many. Like maybe some of you, maybe instead of taking four or five AP classes, maybe you take one or two, right? Um, bro, if you're smart as anything, 
go take AP classes, right? Like, dude, some of you guys, um, you lay on your book at night, and without studying on, you wake up and make 107. Like, okay, we get, dude, we hate you, but take an AP class, okay? We don't like you because the rest of us study and make C's, okay? Um, but if that's you, go take an AP class. Just don't take so many that all you do is bury your nose in books all the time, and you don't spend time with people. Like, do you get that? Are you with me on that? Um, Here's the point of all of it, and then we're going to move on. If you're good at something, go be good at whatever it is you're good at and use that to share Jesus with people. If you're a stud baseball player, go be a stud baseball player and walk out onto that field every chance you get and you make it your purpose. Dude, I'm sharing Jesus. Let me be. Man, he gave me this talent so that... I could live out my purpose right here on this field. If you're smart, walk in the classrooms, dude. Use your intellect to talk and share Jesus with people. If you're a good musician, go play in the band. But again, make sure that you take the trumpet out of your mouth at some point and you love people and you share Jesus with people, okay? So um, all that said, I wanted to get that out of the way, Luke 24. Okay, here we go. Luke 24, before we, before we just read the verses, I, I want to give you a heads up on what's going. And, and Jacob, you can leave the verses there. That's fine. Um, here's kind of what's happening in Luke 24 and right before it. Jesus has died on the cross, right? He's been killed, put to death on the cross. Uh, they put his body in a tomb, rolled a huge stone over it. Three days later, Jesus is alive again. Okay, this is what's going on. Now, here's the thing. When, when we get into Luke 24, people are just starting to find out about this, all right? The Bible says that Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of James, like they go to the tomb on the morning of the third day, and they take these oils and spices because they were actually going to go and embalm the body of Jesus. Like it hadn't been cared for properly. They were going to go take care of it. So here's kind of the deal. They show up. The tomb is open, like the stone is rolled away from the mouth of the tomb. They walk in, and they're like, dude, he's not here. And the Bible says that these two men, they were angels, that all of a sudden they spoke, and they went, hey, ladies, um, don't you remember, Jesus said this is going to happen. Like, he's not here because he's risen. He's come back to life, and if you remember, he told you that this was going to go down, and it's almost like those ladies go... We do remember. Yeah, this is awesome. And so they run out, man, and they find the apostles, the disciples of Jesus are going, dude, you're never going to believe what's gone on. Like, Jesus is alive. We were just down there at the grave. It's open. He's not in there. And so, man, the disciples are like, I don't know. This is crazy. Do we really believe this? Peter runs down. He checks it out. Man, they're not, Jesus is not there. Nobody can find him. They don't know where he is. The, the Bible goes on, and then it tells a story of two guys. They're, they're walking this journey from the city of Jerusalem, the city called Emmaus, seven-mile walk. And so they're hanging out. One of the guys' name is Cleopas. We don't know what the other guy's name was. But they're walking to Emmaus together, seven miles. And the Bible says that, that on this journey, here comes Jesus out of nowhere, right? Almost like to picture him like he hopped out of a ditch and now he's walking, right? I don't know how it was, but it's kind of a cool picture. Like, boop, here's Jesus. But Jesus pops in on these boys. And Jesus, I love this. Jesus goes, hey, what, what are you guys talking about? And one of the dudes decides to get almost like smart aleck with Jesus. And they go, hmm. 
bro, you're the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about what's going on? Like, really? Really? Really, dude? Um, here, here's the thing. They walk this whole journey to Emmaus, and they have no idea that this is Jesus. Until dinner that night, when they sit down with him, and Jesus breaks bread, and he blesses it. That, that should sound familiar to some of us, right? Remember, Jesus did that with his disciples the night before he was put to death. That's where we get the Lord's Supper from. And the Bible says that Jesus broke this bread. He blesses it. And then all of a sudden, he disappears right in front of their eyes. And then they go, dude, no way. You know who that was, right? Like, that was him. How did he not tell us? And so here's kind of what's going on, man. All this stuff is happening. And in Luke 24, 36, the Bible, we find this picture of all these people who are finding out that Jesus is alive and they're together now and they're standing around. And here's what it says. They're talking about this, these things. And Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. Now again, I want you to get this picture because I love this. It's hilarious to me. Um, it's like all these people who follow Jesus are together going, he's alive. Like, are you saying, dude, I was at the tomb today. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were walking to Emmaus and he showed up, ate dinner with us and then disappeared. And somebody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon, Simon over there. Like Jesus actually appeared to him too. And then Jesus is going, peace to you. Peace to you. Like he pops in the middle. Hey, peace to you, friends, right? It's kind of a crazy picture. And verse 37 makes complete sense because the Bible says they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, Jesus pulled some like ghost hunter stuff on his boys. Of course they were startled. It's like he's not there and then he's there as they're talking about him going, peace to you, peace to you. And I love it. So, so the disciples are freaking out. Here's what it says. Jesus says, why are you troubled? Why did doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, see my feet, that it is, my, it is I myself. Touch me, see me. He goes, the spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. So I mean, Jesus is sitting here going, dude, if you don't believe it's me, just like touch me, right? Pinch me. Like, dude, put your, hand, put your finger through the hole, right? Like, that's where the nail was, dude. Like, it's me. And then Jesus, I love this. Jesus is almost like, Jesus goes, okay, if you don't believe me, give me something to eat, bro. I'll prove it, right? Like, can you imagine a ghost eating, right? It falls straight to the floor. So Jesus is like, dude, give me some fish. I'll prove it. Man, boom, swallowed. It's not on the ground. Dude, it is me. Like, I'm here. It's me, Jesus. I'm alive again. And let's keep reading here. I, I love this. In verse 44, here's what Jesus says to them. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, I, I want to I stop here for just a second because maybe you're here tonight. And, uh, and, you, and you're here as a skeptic, right? You're like, dude, I don't know if I buy into this stuff. Jesus sounds cool, sounds great, whatever. Um, these, there, there are verses like these in the Bible that for me, I look at them and I go, okay, see, this is, this is a logical reason why I can believe Jesus is who he said he was. Because Jesus is sitting here with his boys going, hey, you remember all that stuff that was written about me hundreds of years ago? A couple thousand years ago? 
He goes, didn't I tell you all that stuff would have to happen? Don't you remember that? Like, here's the thing I want you to hear. If you're skeptic here tonight, here's just a little logic for you, okay? In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies that say, okay, when the Messiah comes into the world, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what he's going to do. And these prophecies even point to specific times and days. And you know what Jesus did? He fulfilled every single one of them to the time and the day that they were to be fulfilled. Um, I love my boy Devin. I don't know where he is. He's one of our campus connections. We were talking about this the other day, and he, he used this great illustration to paint this picture. Um, the odds of that happening are so astronomical that it could never be coincidence. And I love what Devin said. He said that he heard this illustration once where a pastor said, that would be like um, us digging out the state of Texas three feet deep, filling it with quarters, painting one red, putting a blindfold on you and going, pick the red one out. Pick the red one out. And you go, impossible. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I can believe in Jesus. Because everything this book says about him it's, it's happened. It's happened. And this is what he's saying to his boys. Everything I spoke to you had to be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, it's written that Christ should suffer. And on the third day, he should rise from the dead. Boys, ba 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 I'm here, right? Like, don't you remember this? And then he says... And also that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And this is what I love. It takes us back to, na- to last week. Jesus looks at his followers and he goes, you're witnesses of these things. Again, the picture is everything in the Old Testament that, that was written about me had to come to pass, and it has. Um, I was also supposed to die and raise from the dead again on the third day. That just happened. Now, the scripture says, repentance and forgiveness should be preached to all the world. And guess who knows about these things firsthand? You do. You're witnesses of these things. That's the other thing I love about Christianity. I know I'm going off on tangents, but it's okay. Um, The other thing I love about Christianity, it's not just like this blind faith belief. Like this this thing that we call Christianity's relationship with Jesus, this story that we tell about a man named Jesus who was also God who came to rescue the world from their sins. You see, it, di- it didn't just come with like a bunch of people believing something that was far out there. Um, over 500 people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. You see, Christianity was a relationship with God that was born out of testimony of over 500 eyewitnesses. You see, there, there's proof. It's not just going to this like, like a moron, right? Don't worry about knowing anything. It's like, dude, 60 years after Jesus was raised from the dead, Paul was still going, hey, if you want proof, I know some people who saw him. I know some people who saw him after he was alive. I'll let you talk to them. I love this. Jesus goes, it's your job. You're the witness of this. Go into all the world. Um, Here's kind of where we're going to spend the next couple of minutes, though. Jesus in verse 49. Here's what he says. He says, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed or with power from on high. Do you remember what this promise was all about? Remember what this promise is? It's the Holy Spirit. 
It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going, listen, all this stuff has happened. I, I died. I rose from the grave. Forgiveness of sins, repentance needs to be preached from the entire or to the entire world. You're witnesses of these things. That's going to be your job. But then Jesus goes, but don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Don't, listen, stay here in Jerusalem because, man, I'm about to leave and I'm going to send the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him on you. And when he comes, you're going to be clothed in power. Let's do this. I I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And if Acts chapter 1 um, sounds familiar to the end of Luke 24, it should. Uh, You guys know who wrote the book of Luke, right? Yell it out, it's okay. What? Luke, right? Luke wrote the book of Luke. Good job. Um, You know who wrote the book of Acts? Did someone say Acts? I think someone said Acts. Who wrote the book of Acts? Ah! I saw you said it with passion. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, right? Luke wrote the book of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. So if Acts 1, the beginning of this book, about what God did after the Holy Spirit came, if it sounds familiar to the end of Luke 24, um, it's for good reason. Listen, I I want you to read this with me. In the book of Acts, here's what Luke has to say. Let's let's start in in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, the first book was what? Luke. First book was Luke, right? So Luke is going, hey, in the first book I wrote to you, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles who he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And now Luke picks it up right where we left off. He goes, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So again, it's crazy. Jesus is going, okay, guys, everything that's happened, I told you it was going to happen. It's come to pass. Now you go into the world, you preach, you tell people about me, but don't go yet. Don't go just yet. Because listen, you're not going to be able to go out there in power yet and share me like you need to. You wait here I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come on you. And then Jesus paints this picture. He goes, you remember how John baptized you with water? Like you'd walk into the lake or the sea and he would immerse you and you would come up and you'd just be drenching with water. Jesus goes, in a few days, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be immersed in Him. Like, you're going to be drenching with the Holy Spirit in just a few days. And then the apostles get really, really excited in verses 6 through 8. that They kind of look at Jesus, and they go, Jesus, is this when you're going to restore Israel? Like, they were worried about, like, dude, are we going to be free from Roman oppression? Like, you're going to get the armies out of here, get the politicians out of here, make them stop taxing us. And Jesus looks at him and they go, he goes, guys, stay with me. Stay with me. You're going to have power. He goes, don't worry about that. 
Don't get sidetracked. Don't take the conversation in a different direction. Listen, you stay here, and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have power. You're going to have power. You're going to have power to go out and to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then the Bible says that Jesus left. And here's the crazy thing. You know what the apostles did next? I mean, again, Jesus' command was simple. Go out and tell the world about everything you've seen. But don't leave yet. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to give you power to do that. And you know what the apostles did next? They didn't just, like, sit around. They didn't just, like, twiddle their thumbs. Let's get out the Monopoly board and wait, right? Oh, the Bible says they got on their faces. And they prayed. Like, look down at verses 12 and 14. It says, After all this went down, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they'd entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas. All these were with one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. Jesus goes, man, I'm going to send you out, but wait on the Holy Spirit. He'll give you power to go be my witnesses. And so these guys go, let's just go get on our faces together and let's pray until it happens. Like you get this picture of the apostles, man. I mean, up until this point, they had been cowards, hadn't they? I mean, Jesus being crucified, these guys are running for their lives. And now Jesus is alive again, and he's going, you go in all the world and tell people about me. And it's like they're going, okay, dude, if we're going to go do this thing, then we need that power he's talking about. So, man, let's get on our face, and let's just pray for it. And I can just see this, man, the apostles together going, God, would you just send him? God, send the Holy Spirit. God, we want to be baptized. We want to be drenching with the Holy Spirit. God, would you send him, send him, send him. Give us power, give us power, give us power. It's like the disciples believed that they could never go pull this thing off, what Jesus was asking of them, unless the Holy Spirit really came on them. And so what did they do? They just stopped. And they prayed for it. So I want to hit the pause button here for just a minute and talk to us. Last week, like, I I can only assume, um, with all of us that were here, that last week when I stood up here and I told you that my dream was to crush that 23,000 number, to see this room filled with students every Sunday night. Like, I can only imagine that some of you thought to yourself, even in the moment and even after you left, like, no way. Man, that sounds good. James, that's a cool dream um, to have, but, bro, there's no way in the world that's going to happen. I can only imagine that maybe last week when I was talking about um, this dream of mine to see hundreds of students climb into that baptismal tub and to make a public declaration of faith, that some of you guys were like, a hundred? Really, a hundred? Or hundreds? I mean, maybe we could pull off like 20 or 25. I don't know about hundreds. Like, James, are you losing your mind? What about this one? When I said, um, that, that hardest kid in your school, that kid who hates Christians, that kid who's the most opposed to what we believe in, like my prayer was to see those kids come to know Jesus. 
Like, I can only imagine because I've had these insane thoughts before that just make God so small to go, no way that dude's ever going to change. Like, I can only imagine that some of us left last week and we thought these things. Um, Here's the thing. If we walk out of this place week after week and we go out and try to do these things on our own power, then you're exactly right. They'll never happen. We'll never pull them off. And they're just going to stay dreams. Like they're going to be things that we talk about but we never go after. But guys, here's what I want you to hear tonight. I am not interested in us trying to pull these things off in our own power. What I'm interested in is us getting on our faces, devoting ourselves to prayer, and asking the Holy Spirit to move in power in ways that we've never seen before. Like what I'm interested in is I want us to pray until the Holy Spirit has given us so much boldness and so much courage that we just can't help but walk out of this place and start seeing Jesus um, living in and through us. We can't help but open our mouths and share the gospel with the world around us. Like I'm ready to see the Holy Spirit do things in and through you and in and through me that we could never pull off on our own power or our own strength. Man, I'm ready to see the Holy Spirit do things that we've never seen before. And listen, I I grew up in a very Southern Baptist church. And I know like like some of you guys do, uh, the church I grew up in, you talked about the Holy Spirit, people got nervous. James, we're not going to become one of those weird churches, are we? Like we're going to have people like clucking like chickens, running up down the aisles, are we? No, no. Okay, um, that's not the Holy Spirit. It doesn't help anybody. That doesn't, that doesn't glorify Jesus. Um, that only brings attention to chicken kid. doesn't bring any attention to Jesus. So it's not the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is this. I'm just ready to see supernatural things take place inside the walls of this building and outside the walls of this, this building like we've never seen. Like, I read this book, and sometimes I sit here and I go, why don't we see God move in power like this? And this past week, I asked myself that very question, and all I can come up with is this, because we don't go out and share the gospel like this. Like, the purpose of so many of our lives It doesn't look anything like it does when I open the book of Acts and I read it. When these people just go, let's go share him. Let's go talk about him. Let's go preach him. Let's go make him. Let's go serve. Let's, man, man, do that kid sick. Let's pray for him to be healed. Man, let's cast, man, it's just crazy stuff that you read. But these people, they live for one purpose and one purpose only. And you know what God did? He acted supernaturally on their behalf on a regular basis to bring attention, not to them, but to bring attention to Jesus so that people would come to know him. And I'm ready to see the Holy Spirit do those things. And so you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to pray that that would happen. Like, I I don't know anything else to do. Um, Come here on Sunday mornings. You've heard our pastor, Brian Bloy, a guy that I love so much, say so many times from this stage that nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. And if we really believe that, then we've got a model. We've got to live it out. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, this is going to be a little different. All right? 
And uh, don't worry, I know it's already 10 after 6. It's okay, we have a different plan for tonight when it comes to small groups and everything. We'll, we'll still get you out of here by 7. Nobody freak out or lose your mind, okay? Um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to start raising these screens up right now. And uh, don't get distracted by it, okay? Um, middle schoolers will be losing their, their, their minds right now, but I trust you as high schoolers, you can deal with it and still listen. Here's what we're about to do. I'm about to spread you guys out all over this auditorium. And we're going to kind of do this by like north, south, east, west, okay? So West Cobb people, you're all going to be together. Um, east Paulding, you're all going to be together. Uh, north Paulding people, you're going to be together. And if you live in the south part or kind of the southwest part of the county, you're all going to be together. So that would kind of be like Paulding, Hiram, South Paulding, okay? Um, if you're homeschool, go wherever you live, okay? Like if you live in one of those areas, just go with that area, or go with like your small group leader or something, okay? Um, we're going to spend the next few minutes just praying. And here's the thing, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't pray a lot, and that's, that's okay. Because the prayer that I'm asking you to pray is very simple, okay? Here's what I'm asking you to pray. God, immerse me in your Holy Spirit. God, immerse us in your Holy Spirit. God, we want to be drenching with him. God, give us power through your Holy Spirit to go and to be your witnesses.